Hello, and welcome to another episode of Final Gravity Podcast, a podcast about craft beer, life, friends, and existing on planet Earth. I am always here with these two fools. I'm Cousin T, one of your hosts. What's up, Viking Peaches? How's it going? Uh, just like the regular social medias, I will no longer give my name. You just will have to figure out who the fuck I am, but I'm here as always. And he's back this time. <laughs> he, he's here again. <laughs> we missed you. We missed you, CJ. Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, I just said your name. Oh, oh shit. shit. Good to be back. Good. He's back. He's back, Good folks. He's back. back after... Josh, I never want to go into battle with you as like a as like a, a spy behind enemy lines. No, <laughs> CJ, it's okay. We'll just take this bunker tomorrow. It's God not a big deal. Damn it! We no, said I'm we weren't gonna... using our names. I'm just the guy who goes in first and tries to like amenate a deal so we don't have to kill each other. <laughs> so we don't have to do it. Like here, I've got bumper stickers. You want to enjoy every day sticker? Like, can we not fight? Can hey man, just fun? you should just, just enjoy every day. Line? You should just en- enjoy every day, guy. What's the matter with you? Anywho, getting on with this week's episode, um, so to recap, if if anyone's listened to the last two, our first episode for this block, we had Marty, our buddy Marty, one of the brewers from the Sacred Water, come in and blind taste test with CJ, which we fooled them on a few, they got a few, you have to go back and listen to the The only ones they got right were the two that they brewed. Which is a good thing. It's a really good thing for them. I think you got those two. That's for sure. Uh, last we, week, we both felt pretty relieved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Uh, for for those that are listening, if you want to really watch some of the, the hilarity that you can't see in that episode by listening to it on Spotify, go check out the YouTube of that video. It it definitely will make you laugh. It was it was a good time. <laughs> and last week we had Fred on. Or just a couple days ago, we had Fred on. I mean, it'll be a week by the time this comes out, but whatever. Well, it was last week that we recorded it, too. Thank you, Fred. Thank you for your support. Yeah. Uh, he and you, I assume, were both bummed that you couldn't be here last week, CJ, but CJ had some things to attend to. So uh, we'll have him back, though, and you guys can nerd out on on the stuff. I believe he's going to be sending us some of his... Uh, his collaborative Final Gravity Stout. I am so excited to drink that beer. Can't wait. Can't wait. Oh my I God. love drinking homebrew. I, I, so I messaged fun. him with our uh, information, so I'm assuming look out for something soon, Josh. I have Tight. Them, I have them being sent to me here, CJ, so when those come in, we'll uh, we'll get together for uh, – we'll be back in the same room together for that. Dope. Um, Very cool. Very cool. Great, Thank you, Fred. Great conversation with Fred last week, too. What a, what, a, what a super down-to-earth, humble dude and, you know, just uh, t- tenacious to, to keep brewing, practically blind. So much respect. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, now we're back with uh, just the three of us wrapping things up. And um, we kind of, you know, it's we It's just we covered... us three. If you guys want to tune yeah. out now, there's no special guest this week. So if just you want to go, either. now's the time. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that first episode of this block, we were kind of talking with two professional brewers and making them taste beers. And then uh, number two, block Plato 2, we were talking with a, you know, specifically home brewer who is really trying to take his home brewing to the next level, but still very much home brewing. Um, and so today we're kind of going to touch on really the difference and like where that leap happens, right? Like, you know, we have Cousin T, 
who is a home brewer who is very much dedicated and pushing towards being a professional brewer and making those leaps and bounds. We've got CJ who was a home brewer for a long time, but now really just kind of lives in that professional world. And then you have me who every once in a while, like makes a batch of mead when he's drunk at night with his brothers and stuff. And, uh, you know, where so that overlap talk about bridging happens. the gap and talk yeah. about bridging the gap. How does, how does one successfully elevate themselves from a homebrew or home fermentation project to a larger professional, uh, not necessarily industrial, but commercial size system in beer, you know, or any sort of fermented. Although God, I mean, I wonder where, how how you get from where CJ is to being like, you know, the dude who brews fucking Bud Light, like, yeah, I do. That's just an... that's a that's a that's a whole nother leap right there. Shit. Yeah, but that's that's not even like when you're doing that. That's just about like being able to to properly put together mass production. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. like that's that's more of a that's um... at least I would think. CJ is what what CJ and 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 I do at home. It's it's all about the art and creativity and finding all these flavors. Bud Light's just fucking Bud Light. It's so that just dude's just like, as long as the the machines and timers and valves and everything, which I'm sure are all automated, are opening and running when they're supposed to be running, oh. the machine runs itself with people in place. And I'm trying it's... to think of the the word for it. There was um there was a major at OSU. Um, there wasn't quite an engineering major. It was more of a business major, but it was about like the business of engineering and like managing production lines, basically. And that's realistically you're more of a production line manager than you are a brewer at that point no offense if the you know brewer for bud lights listening to us but let's be honest man you're making the same beer millions right. of times over right <laughs> and, and no that, disrespect that's, but that's kind of what you're doing yeah and, and that speaks I mean, loudly to the the big difference between what we what i think we modernly define as craft brewing and what some of us define as just brewing some people just think the idea of making beer is cool and they'd be very happy with a job at, at, at Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Constellation, any of those, any of those breweries. I think a lot of people that we'd be speaking to, they are, they want to, they want the, the, the dream is to someday ferment their own liquid, right. And to, and to make their own product. And that is, that is a very, um, big crossover to make it's and and it's it's becoming tougher because so many people have already made it just like anything you know we remember 10 10 to 15 years ago when when um farm to table cooking and 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 food blew up you know thomas and and all of a sudden it's like you had all the you saw all these people like jumping into the restaurant game and and making their 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 place known and back before anybody was doing it you could almost jump in with little to no overall knowledge or skill and you still had a pretty good chance of succeeding the crossover now. And I speak from both personal experience and, and friendship experience is, is uh, it's, it's, it's very tough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to any one of our listeners or anyone who's finally tuning in and saying like, Oh man, I'm, I'm excited about this crossover episode. How do I become a real brewer? It's tough. It's very tough. And get out of there. my dog, um guess, guess. It, I uh, guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it, it's one of those things where it's it's very hard sometimes for the people who are just discovering that you want to do it 
to to make that change in their lifestyle where they've always been accustomed to this job they've been doing for 10 or 12 years and they're the top dog at it to then feel like realize that hey it's probably a good chance that you're going to have to go into something and be the bottom of the rung again um i i want to see as many craft breweries as make sense for us as a society i think craft brewing is awesome i love it I love talking to home brewers and I love seeing people want to jump into this industry, but I would not, I would not gift them what I was given eight years ago when I first started thinking about it, which was just, Oh yeah. Like this is just, this could happen tomorrow. It doesn't, it doesn't, it takes either a serious financial investment or a serious time investment or both, depending on how far you want to go with it. You know um, it's a, it, it, it requires time and capital and it requires there's, I think that COVID will show us uh, given the time that we live in, that there's people who jump into industries and expect the hype to carry them through. And it might for a while, not, it might for a while, but it doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't pay your, pay your bills on your stainless steel, you know, no. like uh, craft brewing, just like restaurants, they went through a hype as they should have. But a lot of people are jumping in the water that don't quite know or understand the difficulties that come with. I mean, you're not just talking about building a business that sustains for one year. You're talking about a business that might sustain for 20 years. That requires serious financial planning and serious personal investment. Um, And it's like and it's even hard just to get your foot in the door, like even if you don't want to open up your own brewery. You know, it, it's kind of like that, that, that whole, uh, that IT department conundrum where it's like, you need to have three to five years experience to get into the department, but where do, (laughs) where do I get three to five years experience if I can't get a job? Right. You know, so the way I, the way I kind of view it is, um, I mean, similar to so many things in today's world, like, and I think especially in today's world and in the world of craft brewing, like there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of hype that goes on around certain lifestyles like the brewing and the beer world lifestyle or for example the van lifestyle or being a professional skier or you know all these different things where people see the people that they view as role models posting about these things on Instagram all day every day or they see a brewery posting about what their brewers are doing all day and people are like that's what I want to do but a lot of people don't always take the time to recognize that like, you know, out of how many thousands of really, 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 really good skiers that are out there, how many of them actually make it to a level where they can do it as a profession or as a job um, out of how many thousands of really, really, really good home brewers, how many micro breweries are there that you can actually get that job at right. versus how many of them are even hiring. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Yeah. So if you're not putting up the time and capital to make your own brewery, you really need to be investing your time into making yourself worthy of getting that canning line job at a brewery so you can build up. Washing kegs, dude. And you know, you're not going anywhere near a canning line. You know, that's like, yeah, right. (laughs) That's like, that's like retiree shit. Those are the guys that like have brewed beer for 15 years and they just want to make sure that their product going into the cans is the best that it can be. And they just stand there in QC all day. Yeah. yeah like can it, can, it's go ahead. You, you gotta, you gotta humble yourself. 
to get into this business um, from any homebrewing standpoint. Um, it doesn't, I can speak very frankly, I've read a lot of books. What they want to see first and like foremost. 10 when you go or 12 or. When it comes to brewing, I'd say 12 to 15. Yeah, 12 to 15 okay. books. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of books. I mean, that's more than I read through high school. I must have spark notes that shit. <laughs> I don't know if I've read 15 books in my entire lifetime. <laughs> it, um, <laughs> your knowledge will impress people. Wait, does the TV guide really, count? What really gives staying power is, is reliability. And right. I'm speaking from having worked in canning breweries, having worked in production facilities where, you know, my opinions on recipes, that's all I wanted to talk about, but that's, that's not what they gave a shit about. They gave a shit about, did you show up and shell out? And, um, and, and that, that is really, it's, it's not much different than any kind of major production facility uh, anyone's worked in. If you worked in a restaurant, you understand you could be you could be the the most intuitive person around but on a line they don't give a shit about that can you get your steaks out medium rare every time 500 times a night you know yeah. um that's all that the business like the, the the simplicity of the business is that is can you get good quality liquid into a sterile vessel cleanly and appropriately and consciously if you can do that then you stand a chance at maybe talking to somebody about your ideas. Um, but again, it's one of those things where, man, we've seen such a boom in it that uh, I think a lot of home brewers need to remember that um, we've we, American brewing has skewed so far away from traditional stuff that I think what a lot of people are looking for now is people who, uh, for lack of a better phrase, appreciate the classics, you know, that people, they want to see people that are intrigued by, lagers or saisons or quebecs or or uh barrel aged beers they you know we we've hit that point right we've hit that uh phrase we were using before event horizon with uh ipas where we're all just waiting on the next hop you know everybody's we we, we know everybody's techniques now well, everybody knows what everybody's doing it's yeah. now about who who can make the cleanest and best one and and certainly there's still some then there, there's some knowledge out there to find, but in, in the end of the day, uh, if you're a home brewer looking to break in and you bring me your homebrewed IPA, that's not what's going to wow me. You know, I, 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 uh, I mean, I say that with a knock on wood, uh, but, uh, I mean, I think maybe they bring you the golden fucking grail of IPA. The fucking, right? yeah. If I see the Holy grail of IPAs from a home brewer, I will, I will obviously come on this show and recant everything. <laughs> <I've said. laughs> Redacted. <laughs> Everything will be redacted. I will recuse myself from everything. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and, and from my own experience, man, um, like I have been trying to get into somewhere around here. And even with like, I mean, I should probably start showing up with beer instead of just my resume. Um, but every place that I've walked into and not that this is this is more of a knock on myself. It's, it's like, oh, well, did you go to the college program? No, I've been I've been <laughs> learning and experimenting on on gear at home by myself, teaching myself how to do it the right way, like the way they learned how to make beer thousands of years ago, or Just whatever. Show them your tattoos, dude. I was yeah. Well, that's like when I when I applied <laughs> at the one place, um, they were actually they did the interview on a canning line uh, while they were ripping out whatever they were pumping into those cans for the day because they were like behind on production. Um, 
and standing there, standing there talking and bullshitting over a while, you know, I've got my arms crossed and, you know, I keep moving my hands around. The one goes, one guy turns to me and goes, do you have beer tattooed on your knuckles? I was like, yeah. He goes, nice. It's like it took it, like he wasn't sure at first if that was, if that was like cool or not. But then he was just like, all right, okay. Like, I see you. I yeah. see you, bud. But, I mean, I always feel like I was one, not one step behind the college, but just because I don't have the piece of paper that says I took formal training on something. And this has been, like, the bane of my life, dude. You know, like, just because I don't have that stupid piece of paper that says that I can sit through this. But, you know, four or five years of of fucking just experimenting and using different things that I can show you a fucking full Instagram page on, you know, just that's... It's not, it's not good enough for some people. Well, that in and of itself is kind of insane to me because I remember when, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe 15 years ago, but probably not even that long ago, um, a fermentation college or like a fermentation section of the local community college opened in Bend. And I just thought that was insane that you could go to college for brewing beer. Like that just seemed like, Oh, why the fuck would you ever go to school for that? When you could just like be at a brewery and learn and like get on a canning line and like, you know, brew beer and learn how to brew beer, brewing beer at a professional place. And now, you know, in a place as small as the flathead Valley that although it has a really decent beer scene for what it is out there, you know, if you are are comparing it to like somewhere like Portland or even Bent, like relatively small brewing program, even those brewers out there and like those breweries are like, well, did you go to the college for it? (laughs) Well, and then I'm sure there's kickbacks to the breweries that actually, you know, take interns from the college. I mean, I could be wrong about that too, but I'm sure that there's some sort of like tax write off for the business that says if we take interns from the college, you know, their, their time spent here can be like written off or whatever the fuck. I don't, I don't know how it all works, but you well, know, I, 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 I won't and can't confirm that. I don't, I don't think that that's what happens, but I, I see the, the frustration there. It, it, I think it, first of all, shameless plug. I think it's amazing that a Valley as small as we are in the Flathead Valley of Montana here, that uh, we have one of the better brewing programs in the country right now available yeah. at, a, at, at a at a local call co- at a community college i always love the beers we have that one of the of we have one of the most incredible brewing programs joe and john are they do some incredible of the smartest things people. and i'm not and, trying to knock yeah, on no, what no, they're doing totally totally and i i, I just I, as soon as we said the college i wanted to shamelessly plug them um if you're anywhere in montana and you're thinking man brewing might be for me you could do no wrong with FECC College of Oh, they're Brewing. so cool. Uh, yeah. They're fucking incredible. Well, now, and now um, they have I, a, a certificate program and their two-year BA program. Right. They have multiple programs enable, enabling to get you through. That being said, I can fully agree with you, T, that when I started cooking, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a cooking degree. I didn't go to any culinary school. I, I fucking, I started out in the dish pit, you know, and then I started out in the salad station, and then I started on the fry line, and I worked my way up, and, you know, eight years later, I was – the guy telling people to start out in the dish pit or start out in the fry line. Um, and brewing is no different. No matter where you're at in life, you have to realize that. Yeah, and I'm not, I, and I'm certainly not expecting to walk into these breweries and like let have them let me like run a fucking beer that they've never had on their system through it before. But why? Because it's that he, like he, there's a hierarchy, man. You know, I totally, I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to understand that. Like when I do get into this, if I'm de- as dedicated to it as I think I am, 
that I got to start from the bottom and work my way up. Everybody's got to pay yep. the piper. Fucking to anyone, to, to anyone who is listening, who is thinking like, how do I break into this industry? Because this is what we're talking about. Um, get a job in this industry is the best advice I could give you. Get a haircut what, and get a real job. Yeah, It's what I had to do. Um, Go wash kegs. I, I gave up a salaried position as a chef at the very same brewery. That was my breakthrough culmination brewing in Portland, Oregon, which I, I, I love to this day. And I love that I got the opportunity. And I finally said, Hey, I'm done being a chef and I want to wash kegs. And I didn't get to take my chef's salary over with me to wash kegs. I went back to being an hourly paid 35 hours a week living paycheck to paycheck. That was my transition. You know, did it eventually get me where I wanted to go? It's pretty fucking close, you know, and I'm very, I'm very grateful for it. Um, but was it a, was it a risk? Did I lose a lot to do it? 150%. Yeah. It, anytime you're breaking into any industry, I think in, in this day and age, you have to remember that you're not the first person on the moon, you know, a hundred people came before you. Josh, you're oh, in yeah. a branding business. You think, I mean, you, I know you're not the first person to brand anything. <laughs> I, you know? I've been, I've been trying, let's be honest here. I like, if you look at my, <laughs> if you look at my history, um, even back in high school, right. I would find things I was interested in, like trying to make longboards and stuff. Um, and then I'd be like, well, fuck, maybe I can like make longboards for friends and sell them. And so then I started doing that for a little while, or then I would, bring i'd have friends bring their skis to school and i would take them home and wax them overnight and have my own little like mini waxing business going on i have always always been about like how can i make money doing these things that i love and i've been trying i've tried dozens of different things multiple different youtube channels blogs photography different variations of photography different ways to try to sell that photography and so, you know, I started really doing this shit when I was probably 14 or 15 years old, maybe even younger than that. And I just don't fucking realize it. But now at 26, I've finally started doing something that's actually like feels like it's progressing in a direction right. where I can make money with right. Josh reports. It's not even with Enjoy Every Day. I'm advertising it through this other thing that I'm doing. And it's like, I mean, that's, you know, at least 10 or 11 years of just every single opportunity i see every opportunity i see okay what can i do with that oh that one's not working let me take what i learned and try something else straight grinding i started i started a clothing company but i did it in a way where it could just kind of coast right oh but here's a way i can advertise my brand and not just enjoy every day but the brand of josh right 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 and imagine if tomorrow you said hey i'm gonna try something 180 degrees different Yes. Do you of course bring? Do you do you of course bring experience and knowledge from what you've already done? One hundred and fifty percent. Pretty much but everything that I do, really, I expect that, failure. Right. I just hope that, for success. When, yeah. when you jump into when you jump into the the deep end of a pool of a pool you've never been in, that experience in swimming it doesn't mean shit. You know, in, in the yeah. business world, I mean, it, like really, to, to people who are looking at you, it they they they're um, again going back to what we're like to anyone jumping into brewing expect that you're going to be put through the ringer expect that you're going to wash a lot of kegs you're going to package a lot of beer i have packaged thousands of gallons of beer not my beer somebody else's beer you know i think that's an underestimate there my friend i'm sure i'm sure it is i think more like tens tens, if not hundreds of thousands of beer (laughs) and especially at culmination uh, yeah jesus and and just those days where you come in and it's like hey we need 60 kegs of IPA. And you're sitting there thinking like, 
we don't have 60 kegs IPA. And your head brewer is like, I know, but we got a 30 barrel tank and that truck shows up in an hour. So let's get rocking. You know, um, I think a lot of people jumped into brewing and never had to experience that had to experience um, the, both the thrill and the frustration of being right back on a line in a very busy, very intense kitchen. We are not fucking around. This is what we need. And this is what we need right now. And you're going to get it any way possible by any means necessary. That's a good way to look at it. um, It, uh, it, it, it is something that I guess, you know, don't jump into this industry and not think to yourself at some point in time, you're going to think about packaging. You're going to think about offsite sales. You're going to think about, um, you know, how do I continue to make money with my beverage? And fuck, man, nobody, nobody sits down as a home brewer. I didn't, I certainly know. I mean, T, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't sit down when I was home brewing and think to myself, how do I make money off this? That never came into my mind. I never once thought like, okay, I, I just thought if I make good liquid, people will buy it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I didn't think about how much money, like I, I was going or like fantasized about making. I, I mean, I put the numbers together to f- try and figure out how much it would cost to open my own place, you know, on a, on a smaller system. Right. But I never you know, once thought yeah. about like, you know, oh, this is going to make me a millionaire. If right. I, it like, no, no, it was like, I mean, and, well, and Josh, can, the... Josh can attest to this because, I mean, I guess really both of you can, but Josh saw, saw more of me brewing firsthand than, than you did, CJ, at home anyway. Sure. Um, sure, sure. It was just... Like I never went after the gimmicks. Yeah, no. It, like it's I, I, I brewed the things because it's good to know how passion. to brew them. Right. But it's you still have passion to... over money. Like you do what you, yeah. you, you do what you love, and it, I mean, you you think about the money just to the sense of how can I sustain being able to continue to do this? It's not like that you're trying to do it to you know be the next fucking to shoots. You're just trying to do it to sustain being Orion's belt. Yeah, sure. that I want I want to do like... it to, to to so I can live comfortably, not paycheck to paycheck, and I want to make beer doing it. That's that's really yeah, all right. I'm looking for. You know, and a lot of people jump into that, and and they, myself included, and they they forget sometimes that, like Josh said, uh, and like you said, T, it's it's not about the money; it's about the pursuit of passion. <laughs> but guess what? Your landlord doesn't take for rent. They don't take passion. They don't take passion. passion. You know, uh, that's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. I think anyone who's ever talked to me on a personal That's why house, I live at my parents' house. Yeah, well, I'm not fuck you. <laughs> by any means. But, man, the beer game is a, you know, it's a game just like the food game was a game where we, um, from a professional brewer standpoint, do I make sacrifices to make sure that I can still make the beers I want to make? You bet your ass I do. I absolutely make some beers that they're not bad, but they're the ones that are, they're, they're the ones that, that grease the wheels so I can keep, they keep the, the lights the on at night. They like keep the lights on at night. Ten Barrel know? has to make Apocalypse because that's like Cur- their IPA. And, yeah. But then in making that, that's what pays for them being able to Which, experiment. Which, side note shit. on this topic, and maybe we, I know we've hit it before on other episodes randomly, but since we're talking about brewing and crossover, if you think you're going to get by in today's market without an IPA, do not open a brewery. Yeah, you're sadly mistaken. Do not open a brewery um it it has been the top selling beer i want to say for 15 years plus now in america wayfinder a lager hells style specific brewery has an ipa that that was my specific i was actually about to google i was like 
they have to have and one, the, and right? they've like, done collaborations they, with they um couple, yeah oh what's that uh uh who's they've done a, they've done a modern times what collaboration the, i know they've done a a culmination great, i think they did a great notion one too great notion yeah uh what about oh shit what's that uh the cj one of the last episodes and things that we ever did while i was still in montana um you you brought that uh the collab between culmination and oh ale apothecary ale apothecary do they have it i don't think they've ever made an ipa i um but that's a very different brewing site I, it's, it's I, much don't more wanna, of a wine I don't want to speak to if they've never i think you're right yeah. on that i really think you're right but i don't obviously i don't have their catalog in front of me and it's been a while since well I've and their, their catalog is them. such a random thing like i went into their barrel house one time before i moved to montana and they they brew beer in a very different style in that they brew these batches of beer and even a batch of the same name beer one year apart is going to be so different because of the open brewing process that they use right. and everything and the right. way they age it and everything. Um, so all their beers are always going to be different. And they had, you know, barrels and, you know, they would just randomly like oh, pick, you know, Simpsons characters names for these five batches and name that. And so it, I mean, they're all different. They're always making like these small batch beers and it's much more like a wine drinking experience, but I don't think they have a consistent IPA at the very least. And I don't know if I've ever heard of an IPA from they, them in general. I don't think they do. And they're one of those people that does slip through the cracks. And I'm, I'm unfortunately uh, due to my short-term memory lapse spacing that man's name right now, but I have worked directly with him. We yep. actually did put fresh elderflower into a sour beer that we were, we were both working on at culmination and, uh, 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 Paul Arney, Paul, Paul Arney, Arney is the head brewer, um, and there. And, uh, he is, if you say his one, name fast enough, it sounds like a town in Ireland. <laughs> Paul Arney. Paul Arney. He's a, he's a magnificent brewer. He's an amazing person. A few months ago, there was an article that he, about him, or he even talked about, man during these new times how interesting it is to be that brewery like you said josh that really took a stand on we're going to brew traditional styles we're going to brew uh, they, uh, wild uh, ales is what they wild ales we're going to filter yeah. our beers through fresh juniper branches it's all going to be open fermentation it's going to be this and and and, and to be clear they make incredible ales they make Amazing incredible beer. beers but no i, I don't mean, think they've i don't think to this day they've ever forayed into the western brewing perspective but they also they also don't have a whole brew pub they don't have right. all the you know and it's it's, it's a few very and far between it's few and far between the people that get away with doing that i mean paul is a at the end of the day he's he's a scientist and he's a mathematical genius he he knows what he's doing i would put yeah. 10 of the other best brewers in this country up against him and say do the same thing don't make an ipa just filter your beer through fresh juniper branches and it, it, it wouldn't work you know um, I mean, the, the other prime example is Mike Wright from what used to be the Commons Brewery in Portland, Oregon, which was a very lauded and well-respected brewery. And Mike Wright's whole idea was, I don't want to do IPAs. I want to do traditional German lagers and I want to do uh, uh, Franco-Belgian saisons. And holy shit, did he crush that category? Yeah. But three years after winning Best Beer in Portland, he didn't have a brewery anymore. And the well, biggest and thing was I couldn't pay the rent because I wasn't selling enough beer. Why weren't you selling enough beer? Didn't have well, IPA. You weren't, you weren't popping out IPA, dude. Well, and there, there's something to be said about something like Ale Apothecary. You know, a town like 
bend where we have this huge beer culture and there's so many breweries, but so many people coming here just to drink. Like you can find your niche and you can find those people in a place like this that will buy your beer and support you. Um, but it may not be hard enough like, to keep the lights on. As... You know, Ale, Ale right. Apothecary right. could not exist in Montana, probably, right? Like, no. I, don't, I just don't no. think it would work out Not there. at all. Like, it would never. Well, no. well yeah, it's, at least it's the right same now. thing. Like, if you took a mon- like a Trappist monastery and put it here somewhere, probably wouldn't last that long. No. Or, or and, Ball's not going to survive in Montana yeah. in the modern-day drinking world. No. You know? well, and even, even Ale Apothecary, I don't think, would work in Portland because – Suddenly, I mean, I mean, Ben is like it's for something like that because you can't be too big because otherwise, then you're never going to get heard of either. Because if your friend's not coming up to you like I had the best IPA in the world from this new spot down the street, you're not going to hear about it in Portland. Whereas in Bend, it's small enough that you're still going to get that word of mouth. Like, dude, I had this amazing wild beer from this really cool place that's super unique, but it's big right. enough to support it. Portland's Novel- too big. Even, Montana's too, like, even Cascade novelty. Brewing, who like is yeah. famously for their their sour beers and their their sour barrel program and all this stuff, I'm sure there's an IPA or two on tap that they have to sell. Yeah, guarantee there it wasn't. There is. Yeah. You know, I guarantee it. But even for something that's like completely not even the ballpark of IPAs, you know what I mean? Novelty is not sustainability, and that's the best lesson that we can pass on to anybody. Is that um you for every for every crazy fun thing you think you want to do in your bag of tricks make sure you've got a i'm going to appeal to the to the nerds in this in this category and make sure you've got a sword and a bow and arrow that can still do some dps you know what i'm saying like make sure that you're coming to the fight with everything that you need and not just not just your bag of tricks you know um because that 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 doesn't sustain um for for 99.9 percent of us i think that uh, where we've gotten, and I wanted to bring this up. I know that's not a word. Uh, where we, where, where we, uh, where we are, and I wanted to bring this up earlier is that there's really two direct pathways into crossing over into professional brewing. One, you fucking grind. You go out and you get a job. You hump it, and you you ask people a lot of questions. You let your interests be known, and slowly but surely, you get an opportunity. And don't don't uh, look a gift horse in the mouth, fucking be ready for that opportunity and take it. But there's a second option. Maybe you've got a hundred K in the bank account and you're ready tomorrow to start a small business. If that is your option and, and, and owning a small brewery is what you want to do. There are ways to do it. And what I would tell you is be smart, be economical. Did I say that right? Economical. Thank you. And uh, (laughs) your face caught me right there. Oh, that wasn't right. But like, um, but, uh, but there, you can go out and get a brewery consultant. They're going to tell you all these things you need. You don't need new stainless. Yeah. We've we've been making beer in oak vats for a thousand years plus, and it's been fine beer. There's an article that we all just read last or a couple weeks ago about the fucking, uh, the brewery in Egypt mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. 5,000 years old, and I'm pretty sure it's all made out of clay pots. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of ways to get the job done. And what you want to focus on when you're crossing over, and I, I, anyone who looks at my bank account will know I'm not the best person to give advice on finances, but maybe also, maybe I've yes. got a good perspective because I've made a lot of poor decisions, is um, you don't need everything they're going to try and sell you. Uh, you need, you need a couple vessels that hold heat and can boil something. 
and you need hoses to transfer over to some tanks that can hold pressure. That's really all you need to make beer. Now, granted, bells and whistles are great. Bells and whistles are awesome. I think that uh, my brewery, Backslope, or uh, the brewery that I work for, I should say, Backslope, spent about $3,000 on bells and whistles as soon as I got there, just because I was like, hey, we don't have this. We should have this. But at the end of the day, were they making beer before I got there? Yes, they were. Were they making acceptable beer before I got there? Yes, they were. Um, You have to start, uh, if you want to cross over and you're in that small business category, prioritize your needs, man, because Jesus, $20,000 of stainless steel turns into $150,000 of stainless steel pretty quick, pretty fucking quick. You know, used equipment, oak vessels, they've been used to make beer for 1500 years. It's not, uh, if not longer, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. I mean, stainless didn't, uh, it wasn't pre-industrial, but point being, we've been making beer for 5,000 years, as Thomas just illustrated from that, from that article of the uh, Sumerians and Egyptians were making beer before we were making bread crossing over into the professional beer spectrum. That is a whole new ballpark, I, you know, go ahead, Josh. Just uh, spend a second looking through things. We actually, Managed to name two breweries tonight that don't have IPAs. Or oh, at least let's consistently. hit it. Cascade Brewing. I just went really? through their entire beer selection Has online right now. never made an IPA? I don't know if they've never made an IPA or if they just don't have any right now. Current the tap closest list. I could find. They do have a hazy pale ale in cans. Okay. okay. But it's not an IPA. I, that's and true. that was. That's true. Everything else was uh, variations of gozes, sours, wheat ales. Uh, they did have a couple imperial reds, but I didn't see a single IPA on their current beer list. Hmm. And what's the, is it goza, goze, goes? How do you say that? Goze. I've always uh, heard I don't of this, know. Uh, I, I believe the proper pronunciation is gosa. That's what goza. I hear of from a German. It goes as it goes, a, but sometimes it goes a little bit far. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Walked right into that one. Yep. I, I, I am of the firm belief now that it is Gosa. That is gosa. what I, I, I believe the, the, that is the correct. Pronunciation um, to be. Um, but if you want to sound bougie and fancy, you say Gose because Americans gose. don't know shit. Well, because so. it rhymes with Rose and people just don't fucking. I'll have a Gose because it sounds French. Because yeah, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not. not even, it's not even close. From nope. Leipzig, Germany, and Goslin, Germany. In case anybody was wondering out there, it's actually, very... if it's from Goslin, Germany, it might be Gauze. Honestly, I always used to pronounce it as just Gauze or Gauze. Um, but every time I've looked it up, the way they they highlight the um, the the, the, uh, the vowels, the umlaut, is, and it, the it's, I thingy. believe it's supposed to be Gosa. Gosa. Um, again, okay. I, I like you, Josh. I. Because it's from Goslin, traditionally, I would always pronounce it as, as, as a ghost. But I believe that that uh is supposed to be at the end of it. So uh, gotcha. that's that's my so most gossa. recent reading of it. Uh, I think Gosa or Gasa is what it's It's like when be. people ask me about, they're like, what's a Kolsch? I was like, it's from Cologne, Germany. They're like, what? I'm like, here, here's an article. <laughs> yep. Well, because it's, it's kind of the same thing because... Cologne is I, I, it, it's spelled exactly how it sounds, you know, C-O-L-O-G-N-E or whatever it is. But Kolsch is Correct. with a K with an umlaut over the O. Correct. Yeah. You know, so it's um, six in yeah. one hand, half a dozen in the other. None of us speak proper German, so. And again, if you're if you're looking to cross over to professional brewing and what we're talking about right now is, is blowing your mind, um, read a lot more books. 
read at least like two books. to three more. At least two. <laughs> <laughs> or or listen to more of this podcast or listen to other podcasts or um i think you know with the boom of anything you see a lot of people jump into the business who really truly with respect don't know what they're doing and i'm not going to name breweries because that would be completely unprofessional but we're um, not going to do that don't jump don't oh, there's jump that into this one business. place though that did that one beer uh you nope, know a couple nope, years you're back you're not gonna you're not gonna um, go me into this <laughs> no no they did they, they did that one beer that one place uh, it's from that Backslope. one state Backslope um, Brewing, Montana. Just that one state, you know, has that one brewer. It, it had that name for it. Yeah, that place. Sacred Waters, Marty. <laughs> no, no disrespect. No, um, We're kidding. I swear to God, please don't pull our funding. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate that thousand dollars you sent to me and Josh a month. It's great. It's fucking awesome, dude. I'm really getting sick and tired um, of you guys getting paid. <laughs> it's funding it, my ski habits quite nicely. I bet. <laughs> yeah, Josh hasn't actually gotten like Solomon sponsors. He's just, I just bought he's just buying new stuff with all of the podcast money. Oh, you we saw heads. a lot of people over the last three or four years jump into this business with this this one hype idea of making, you know, um, I'll go back to a reference to me before, but making like a Skittles IPA or making a fucking nutter butter stout. And and again, I I think that you should you should take inspiration from anywhere. But if you're going to try and jump in this business and you have not done the back research on really, truly what has staying like, here's the thing. IPA isn't going anywhere. Honestly, truly a good Pilsner. It's not going anywhere. So no matter what cool idea you think you have or whatever hype branding you think you have, make sure you're coming into this market with the basic skills. Yeah, you know, and T, oh, I know absolutely. that you and I have talked about this, and that's why I was very stoked that you started jumping into loggering, because um, when you jump into this world, people are going to want to know what you can do, and just saying, "Hey, I threw a bunch of marshmallows in my beer," does not set you apart from anybody anymore. Yeah, there, that's, there that's, have definitely that's been done. a couple of conversations that I've had at breweries um, with owners or uh, staff or uh, brewers themselves whatever and they're like oh yeah what was the what was the last beer you made at home i was like well i made an amber lager and a colch they're like you did what but and not because they don't know what it is but because like no one ever expects those two answers to come out of someone's mouth like even coming from a home brewer who tried a lot of things and I still love trying things like it's more inspiring to me to see people who are like, no, I've I've really perfected the craft of this particular style of beer. And and a lot of times I'm 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 left in the dust when when I talk to other brewers who like I'm not a lager brewer by trade. I'm an ale brewer, you know, so anytime I talk to a lager brewer, man, it it's some mind blowing shit. Anytime I talk to. Um, I'm also a, a barrel aged and a wild brewer by trade. And anytime I still talk to other wild brewers, I'm, I'm, I'm left in the dust sometimes about like, there's so much information and learning out there. And I think that people jump into this industry thinking if I can do this one thing, I can do it all. It's not true. No, so, I don't, I, so I, I, far from the truth. I don't want to discourage <laughs> anybody from, from chasing their dreams. Well, but, I feel um, like it works one way, not necessarily the other. Like, you can't just make IPAs and expect to be able to make anything. But if you can make a really good, clean lager or pilsner, like, making an IPA should be pretty easy. 
Well, it and should I think, be. You're right. I mean, well, but ahead. that's I think just part of it boils down to you need to have an IPA on tap. Doesn't need to be the best IPA, right? Just like, gotta have a hoppy beer. Just gotta have a hoppy yeah, beer. I mean, if, if you have that thing, like you know, Wayfinder Brewing, if you are damn fucking good at loggers and you make the best fucking loggers in the game, Kevin, uh, what's uh. Or, uh, Kevin Davies. Kevin Davies. I, I hope you're listening, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening, by the way, that IPA you made years ago with Sriracha Ace was dope. I I, I, I tried to apply delicious. to be one of your brewers. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not mad that you didn't call me. You know, but for example, even a brewery like Wayfinder, I I know I've never had their IPA because obviously when I went to Wayfinder, I was like, give me those loggers because I want to taste what you're doing. Give me that Hellas. This is incredible. But maybe they make like a kind of mediocre IPA as long as they have the IPA on tap. So, you know, that one fucking hipster dude in Portland, who's with the whole, what do you mean that one going to go somewhere if they don't have an IPA, that one pack of 15, I'm going to drink it and everyone else can have their fancy loggers, right? Like you have to have the IPA and you have to do it like mediocre, but you can really perfect that other really cool thing that you got into the game for. You have to make sure you can do everything right. mediocre before you can really do that one thing amazingly. Since we since we brought up his name and Peaches, I know this is not, uh, Josh, what you meant to say, but um, there is nothing, in my opinion, that Kevin Davies makes that's mediocre. And I know that's not <laughs> oh, what no, you meant no. to say. I just, know that. It's the only I, brewery off the top of my head I could think of that's like a lager-specific brewery. Lot, lager-centric. If, if you are anywhere near Portland and you are craving a traditional German lager, Wayfinder Brewing is – that they, they they actually don't pay us yet, um, but when they do, Josh and I will be really appreciative of that. 100. Uh, they're they are fucking great, and um, all three of us have been to that brewery at different times. But you guys got to go together, which um, when you guys came back from your Portland trip, I was I was thrilled about because had I put so much five of the top breweries to see on, oh, I think I gave you guys a list, and I think that was on there. We we, we think, made it to I a think few. You gave us a list, and then we forgot the list, and then we but like. I think that was like the only one on much the list you guys list. actually hit. That one in culmination. Well, oh, that in culmination, yeah. Obviously, um, culmination we had to go to. But uh, but man, uh, Kevin Davies at Wayfinder. There is nobody on the West Coast, barring maybe Lisa Allen, who knows more and. You know, I know some information on that shit, but knows more about loggers than Kevin Davies does. Uh, so if you guys, if we have any listeners close to that spot, Wayfinder fucking brewing, there is nothing mediocre there. Yeah, that was fucking exceptional. I was so thankful for that one because literally that was, uh, I had to fly home a day early on that trip, a day earlier than Thomas did because I had to get back to work. And that was the last brewery we went to. I almost just didn't go to it because I was like, I need to That's, get to the fucking airport. Oh, I would have been so, so we, bummed if you didn't. We get ran there. to Wayfinder. I like slammed a beer there. We got actually we talked to the guys and they gave us a super quick tour of their whole setup. And then I like hopped in an Uber back. I got to a free T-shirt. How beautiful like, is that brewery? How beautiful is that brewery? And the patio is just so beautifully laid First out. First of all, and, I love the fact that yeah, it's like yeah. everything is just up, uh, like a half story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because like when you when you come up on the building, you're standing. It's not like the building is ground level. You know what I mean? And it's it's set back off the street. So like when you walk up to this place, there's like that big wooden, uh, all that wooden paneling that the the patio is on, and then there's kind of like that archway that you walk through to go up the steps or whatever. But that's like it. It's very like awe striking of a building because when you walk up, it's just it's like just very way aesthetically funnier. pleasing. And like the inside with all the alchemical symbols. And yeah, it's it's very like art. Gotham it's City. Just, it's very Gotham. It's lot so of, cool. A lot of lot of money behind it, and they found honestly one of the best brewers to to lead that program in Kevin. Yeah, they did. Um, 
and as, as again as this episode uh is about crossing over but uh, of course we're always as, as eccentric as we are going to get off topic and talk no, all kinds of never. things we love about no, we don't we don't we don't i would segue. tell people um uh thomas correct me if i'm wrong but one of the breweries that one of the excuse me one of the books that we had given you when you came in and looked into our brewery was uh the brewing operations manual and if yeah. anyone's out there's listening think about crossing over uh read that, Google book. that shit it's a book from the late add 80s, that to your list 90s. of two books to read so two books to read just read two books man that <laughs> one and pick another one read that and fucking the to kill a mockingbird companion for like... beer and just fucking get, get get to it to kill a mockingbird i'm sh- yeah i'm sure atticus finch has a lot of information uh actually if you want to uh, get ahead you gotta and read, read between like, the lines uh, but... of mice and men it's a really great beer book <laughs> i'm always a fan of the odyssey when it comes to brewing um uh, the Brewing Operations Manual was written in the late 80s, early 90s, and it, it really is the perfect guide. It's a great to helping people great guide. understand how affordable. I mean, you can talk Opening to a any brewery on the cheap, dude. Yeah, you can talk to any contractor, and they're going to try and sell you a quarter million dollars of stainless steel, and you don't need that. I work in a brewery that proves that you don't need that. What's it? Um, what, what is what is it? The, the stuff. It's dairy. We it's dairy equipment. A, a lot of a lot of our stuff is remainder dairy equipment. But, but didn't you call your mash ton a milk ton the other day or something like yep, that? Yeah, I did. I called <laughs> it a milk ton, and that's that's what it used to be. It yeah. used to be a milk ton, um, but it's stainless. It's food grade. It's all one and a half inch piping, which is what is brewery standard, and we got it for next to nothing. I don't know. I'm gonna guess about seven thousand five hundred dollars less than we would have gotten a, a, a pro mash ton at this point in time um are there challenges with it 150 percent. some of my brew days are, are t- especially when i want to work with uh wheat and rye and and interesting beers man my brew days require some extra ingenuity totally but can i do it fucking yeah. a do i do i make good beer i think fucking so a. i think so i think so you know um I miss your beer. So I, I and I miss you drinking my beer, my brother. <laughs> I was actually I was thinking about that. Uh, you know, I've been trying to be good over the whole pandemic about not traveling a lot. And honestly, one of the last real trips I took, besides a quick trip out to the coast, um, where I didn't really go out at all, I just wanted to go see the ocean when I got back from Montana. But sure. the last real trip I took was for Thomas's birthday when we went over to Portland. That was the last real trip I um, took too. But uh. God, I just fucking miss going places and like, especially that one where it was just all about me and a couple of homies drinking at every fucking brewery we possibly could over a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I cannot wait until I can feel comfortable traveling again. I'm gonna drive up to Portland for a weekend with a couple of friends and just get fucked up. I also can't wait to come back out to Montana and hang out out there because I miss those days. Damn, I dude. miss those days. Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try and bring you across state lines with the current situation, but uh, but uh, March 9th we drop our first barrel aged sour. Fuck. It's been it's been a. Um, I I'll think tell you what, man. Put that vaccine in my arm, and I'm coming straight to Montana the day after. That's where I'm been, at. <laughs> it's been a uh, man. I can't tell you. I mean, I've drank a lot of sour beers, and I've I've worked on sour beers before, but I've never put the liquid in the barrel let it age fruited it my done everything primary right here and then waited 15 months for it to be ready 
So and, I want uh, I want you to talk dirty to me about this sour. Like, what's going on in it? What fruits are you using? Like, um, I want you to get down and dirty. Ra- raspberries, red currants, and aronia berries, which are, uh, if people are listening, are something that's kind of unique to Montana or this area of the country. But aronia berries are choke cherries. So we've got three different fruits in it. About 120 pounds of fruit for this beer. Um, between the raspberries, the red currants, and the aronia berries, and it was aged in, in, in red and white wine barrels for 10 months, and then it's been on fruit uh, for the remainder, and now it's been in keg for a month, conditioning warm, and we're pretty happy with where it's at, and um, talking about it gets, this, it uh, gets dropped, it gets dropped on our anniversary, latest, I'm pretty excited about the latest it. I want that BS. shit up in my mouth. Okay. Oh. It's, uh, it's exciting. <laughs> You're going to put it in your mouth. Your motherfucking right mouth. You. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for the uh, anniversary beers for Backslope to come out because I don't I don't know if you said it or not, but not only are they releasing that beer on their anniversary, but there's like a beer a week or a beer a month being released after that or something. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. No, he he didn't mention that yet, but uh, <clears throat> I'm sure he will mention something know. of it uh, when he comes back. Um, but all that's the- kind of funny, actually. Backslope and J Dub's anniversary are like right next to each other because J Dub was, I think, March tenth was our anniversary. Oh, nice. Is our anniversary? Nice. Uh, yeah, five years. Five years we've been in business with that fucking place. Um, you know, and to, to get kind of back on topic with the um, yeah, yeah, bring it, bring it back in. Time. I, I also, I also, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, CJ has has made this uh, clear to me. Also, is that I, I realized that like even if um, I had attempted to open even just a small little uh, brewery type deal, you know, something very tiny to scale and just start building up from there, um, the pandemic would have crushed me, and I oh, wouldn't. Yeah. I would have closed before I even was able to open. I mean, I, that was another thing I was actually thinking about. Um, earlier that I meant to bring up and then we kind of you know went in a different direction that, but, but yeah you know that idea of, of for you specifically being someone who's been trying to kind of enter into the professional world of brewing for a little while now like it's not like you haven't been looking for a couple of years but um, you know I remember near the beginning of the whole pandemic you put in an application um, I can't remember which one but you you applied at a brewery and you you, you know you had the interview they saw your tattoos on your fingers and kind of it fell apart because they didn't know what their demand and what their life was going to be looking like for the next year. And well, they, they, that's made it even harder. If anything, anyone who's comfortable at a spot is not about to fucking leave. And a lot of these places aren't looking to expand right now because they don't know, are they going to be kegging everything, canning everything? Is there going to be another shutdown? That was, is it going to keep that going? was part like, of the, the, the email that I got back. Um, I guess the, the owner of this brewery, um, decided it, it's more fa- financially responsible for his business for him to come back to work for than for them to hire someone new yeah and i totally understood that but again you know Absolutely. cj what we were talking about was just um if i had attempted to open orion's belt during this pandemic it would i wouldn't have i would have closed my doors before they even opened and even the opportunity that i had at the brewery here down in uh big fork fell apart because of the pandemic for, and so, right. you know, he, the owner decided to come back to work because it was more financially responsible. And, you know, I was, I was this close to getting my foot in the fucking door, you know, even if it meant being warehouse bitching, you know, moving it's, kegs it's, and it's a, it's a struggle. 
it's a fucking struggle. And, and again, I mean, I I've, I've made no secret of the fact that, um, years ago when I was homebrewing, you know, we wanted to open our own brewery. The idea was total creative control. Had we opened our own brewery when we thought we were going to, no matter what help financial or otherwise we would have received, we would have been bankrupt right now. Because the fact remains that beer, just like, just like food service of any kind, it's an industry where you have to hit certain margins. Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, unless, unless you're, you know, unless you're the Paul Arnies of this world who can, who can just do it and do it right. And I, again, I think a lot of that, like Josh, you brushed on was the region he did it in and just, the, I, the affordability of rent down there. Like there's a know, it's lot like the of Goldilocks zone of life happening on a yeah, planet around a, a fucking star. It. It's just the, the, it, but it couldn't but happen most in a place of us that's don't not have like that. this. Most yeah. of us don't have that. And if all of us move to the place that does have it, that place wouldn't have that anymore. Exactly. You know, it's it really is a fairy tale of those who sneak through those cracks and are able to to maintain a beautiful brewery that um, has low overhead and can do what they want. At the end of the day, um, no matter what you're doing at this point in time, I mean, there's over six thousand breweries in the United States right now, craft brewers. So if you're stepping into the game or you want to step into the game, understand that you're stepping onto the Super Bowl. You're stepping onto the field of the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, it's the big this game, is, this son. This is not fucking around. It's, this it's, is the big it's game. It's the big game. I actually – um, big leagues. Come ready to play, and not just with your recipes, not just with your hopes and dreams. Come ready to play with the fact that you're going you're gonna to be looking at numbers and Get ready day. to put hops in barrels yeah. and fucking do your shit. Yeah, get yeah, ready to totally. start putting liquid solution into every sort of vessel you can and coming up with all kinds of shit. Looking at numbers, running the numbers, understanding the numbers. I mean, there was a, a buddy of mine out here, uh, older fella who's uh, owned several of his own consulting firms in the past, you know, and all of this shit. When I asked him for a little bit of advice on what to do if I wanted to open my own brewery, I was like, well, you know, like the, the beer's really good. He's like, stop right there. If you're coming to me for advice, I already assume that your product is good. I don't care. What I want is the numbers. Right. I right. want the what 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 do you see this doing? And that was the same thing that every contractor or consultant ever told us. Uh, me and my three friends, uh, or my, me and my two friends, excuse me, we were home brewing. The three of us, every time we'd go to a consultant, the first thing they said was, I don't want to hear about your beer ideas. How do you think this is going to make money? Yeah, that's all. That's all the how banks want to hear. That's all the uh, investors want to hear. How do you think? How do you think this is going to be a viable business in five mm -hmm. years? How are you going to make money off of it? Right. And, and 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 to be fair, how I thought we were going to be a viable business in five years, that wasn't realistic. You know, and and I, I can see that now because I have that foresight. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, you always see the mistakes. Let's not you say that made. anymore, because I mean, fucking twenty twenty was twenty twenty was a shit. That, that was not year. a good vision. Fuck twenty twenty, <laughs> and fuck Trump for that reason. But uh, no, but you're right. Like, oh yeah, we can we but, can but, say but, this but, stuff now. What I meant was that I mean I would have said it then. Fuck too. Gina what Carano was, too. You know that that it's easy to see the mistakes you would have made. Yeah. It's really hard to see the mistakes you're going to make. That's why they're mistakes. You need that Jedi force. You know, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a business guys. And when you jump into it, you have to be ready to both be a creator and to be a capitalist, to, to fucking be a business person. And I'm so grateful that 
I'm a brewer where I work and I don't, the only business side of things I'm responsible for is making sure my beer sells. That's all I have to worry about. And man, that stresses me out enough. So people looking to jump into this business realize that um, you could turn around tomorrow, you could buy a warehouse, you could plug some fermenters in, you could start doing shit. But eventually what will come back to haunt you is uh, brewing. there, There can only be so many people, the Paul Arnies of this world who slipped through the cracks. The rest of us, we have to play this game. And that game is, that game is IPA. That game is approachable beer. And that game is gimmicks that bring people into your tap house. In some ways, you know, even Paul Arney, although he gets to make these amazing, you know, kind of one-off wild beers and everything that he obviously wanted to start with. Like I'm sure I am 90,000 percent sure that he still plays that game too. Like, how does he, does. he sell those he does. beers? Kevin right? Davies like, probably does the same he's thing. He's not playing the game by making the IPAs. He's trying to play the game his own way, but you still have to fucking sell the beers. You still, still have play to by the rules. Yeah, you still, still got to make something play by that the people want to drink. It might not be the same so. subset, but you still got to play by the rules. It was he, really he interesting. Buy, he got the get out of jail free card. He didn't have to make the fucking IPA, but he's still playing Monopoly. Yep. Right. <laughs> It was really interesting. Uh, again, I, I can't. I wish I could remember the article I'm referencing where, where Paul Arney was talking about that. And he said, you know, uh, 10 years ago in Portland, it almost completely made sense to open a brewery that was so boutique and so revered that I could sell my 750s for 38 bucks a bottle. And people were like, yeah, it's a Paul Arney beer. Yeah. And now in today's world, we've really had to refocus and realize that that's not that's not the business. Yeah. Not that's every not brewery is going to be able to get away with doesn't, that. It doesn't matter how good or how proud I am of my beers. People aren't buying $40 bottles of beer, even if they're a 750 mil, you know? So we've, we've gone into small form packaging. We've looked at, um, 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 more approachable beer styles. If only to get our brain, I mean, we don't want to lose our focus, but, um, we got to survive, you know, at the end of the day, we got to survive. Yep. I mean, shit. Uh, I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, anyone out there listening, but I think that during COVID-19 times over this last year, 2020, this is the first time that Jester King has jumped into Jester King out of Austin, Texas, mm. has jumped into clean beer production because they were like, well, uh, nobody wants to buy 750s right now of yeah. boysenberry sour. They want they want IPA and they want it cheap. So we got to make IPA. You know, we got to make IPA. And the other thing uh, um, for those that are tr- looking to get into like this business from a, a homebrew level, like, and CJ, you've tried to drive this point home with me, you know, over the last, you know, couple of years. It's just, you, you can't take a half barrel recipe and make it a seven barrel recipe just by increasing it by 14 times. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't way. work that way. Nope. Not at all. You have to, you have to expect to, this is something that a lot of homebrewers don't realize or don't realize the significance of because dumping five gallons is a lot different than dumping 200 gallons. But sometimes you're going to have to admit that that didn't work. You know, I have been, I've been very lucky through my experience um, at my current brewery where I have not had to dump a batch of beer, but I've been close because I've made mistakes. And you know what? Uh, on one hand, I could say I'm lucky. It's not my money. But on the other hand, I could say, 
I'm still terrified because it's not my money. That's that like yeah. my, my, my ability to do my job. There well. is a way for you to take the recipes that you've made at home and make them suitable to the size of the equipment. There is. But you're probably going to have to play around with that. And you're gonna have you to play around and it. you mess up. That's that's the name of the game, you know, son. Something to take into consideration. But unfortunately, like CJ said, it's not dumping five or ten gallons down the drain or out the driveway. It's dumping two hundred or three hundred or five hundred gallons down the fucking drain, and there goes fifteen grand in fucking sales. Yep. yep. And 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 if if we're on that topic and talking to people about how they scale up. Um, I will give everybody a word of wisdom that my first brewery contractor gave me, and there is a sliding scale to this, but it's, if you're going to open a three barrel system, you might as well look into a five because the, the, the cost of fabrication is the same. It's just simply the cost of materials at that point. And five barrels of beer gets you a hell of a lot more return on your, on your investment than three barrels does. And that, by that logic, if you're going to do a five, might as well go seven, you might as well do a seven. Now, if you're at a seven and you're thinking, hey, I might want to sell kegs offsite, which everyone who's listened to this podcast knows my feeling on beer distribution. It's a con job and you'll never make your profit back. But if you have to do it and you're going to build a seven barrel system, might as well, well build a 10. I mean, that's what, might you know, well Boneyard, that's how Boneyard started. They had a little tap room where they would serve tasters right, and growlers right. to go. But, you know, pretty much 100% of their sales were kegs offsite. And, and they're 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 they're, they're, yeah. a, they're a they're a golem in this they're an outlier in this scenario because yeah. the way like back when they started yeah I was gonna say know, not everyone's feasible. gonna be able to do that that was feasible no not everyone's um, gonna be boneyard that's for sure but we all know that and Josh you know this uh, better than anybody that when when boneyard went big we saw a change in product too we had to they yeah. couldn't make the they couldn't make the same recipe on an on a five barrel system that they were now gonna make on a hundred barrel system. Not they couldn't. They couldn't do that. So, did did the beer lose quality? I'm not going to say that. But did the beer lose its consistency for a while? Absolutely. I, I think that's there was all like part a of the, the transition yeah, but period. I mean, right. I, to it's be fair, I was never a huge fan of their the the beer that made Boneyard what Boneyard RPM. is. RPM. Never been a huge fan, and I'm never going to shy away from that. <laughs> Everyone who knows me knows that, and I've got a shitload of I friends at Boneyard. <laughs> I still drink a Boneyard's uh, new brew pub at least once or twice a week. It's a damn good um, beer, but I miss and I give that them beer. A lot of shout-outs on my reports, but I, I think I've drank one RPM in the last year, and uh, that's probably going to stay that way. I drink about one or two RPMs a year. That's about it. It's definitely, uh, um, <laughs> but gosh, who, who was I? Who was I? They have so many to? other beers that I love so much more. <laughs> um, oh man, I was listening to, um, uh, uh, I think it's Dan or David Walker, who is the founder of Firestone Walker. Obviously, Matt Brindelson is Dan. The, I, brewer Dan, I think it's Dan. Dan Walker, thank you. And um, and he was saying, uh, and and T, I remember recounting this to you a few days ago. He was saying. Uh, he was being asked, you know, if you if you opened up today, you know, in 2020 or 2021, wherever you want to put the current time cycle, and you were going to start with your flagship beer, DBA, would that work today? And Dan, like, chuckled, and he goes, no. Fuck. No, not at all. No, <laughs> that beer would never make a splash today. Now, back in its day, its heyday, just like Sierra Nevada, just like uh, Blind Pig or Pliny the Elder, DBA was a was a groundbreaking craft beer. 
And Dan was doing things in his process that no modern brewer would ever think to do. He was running a traditional uh, Burton on Trent system. And for those that don't know, refer to the books we told you to go buy earlier. Yeah. (laughs) He essentially, the idea is the Burton system is that you would pull a, a portion of the fresh beer and partially age it in oak to mature it properly and then re-blend it back into the fresh beer to create that style. And it's a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of risk and it's a very complicated way to brew a beer and modern times we, in modern times, I should not say modern times, we, the brewery, we don't fucking need you're right. I was almost going to say that we don't fucking need to do that, but he stood on that and he stood on that in the early nineties. He said, you know, this is the way we're going to brew beer. Well, I mean, um, it's like the, the breweries no that still that do decoction mashes. There's really no right. re- reason to do one with the equipment and technology that we have today, but there are other than to pay tribute, yeah, you know, there are breweries right here in the Valley that, Doing it. And, and respect to them. And, Kalispell Brewing and respect to you guys yeah, for doing that. Dope. It's just a very uh, arduous way to go about it's making a lot beer. Of fucking work. It's so much fucking work, you know, but uh, it's interesting to, to, to think about somebody who has been so successful. I mean, we've, we've praised their name before. I think personally, Firestone Walker is one of the best major craft breweries in the country. And I think, an they have, I think, yeah, I I think they have, I think they have the medals to back that shit up, you know, but here's a guy who's saying, yeah, if I brought my flagship out in 2020, it wouldn't make a fucking splash. Yeah. You know, the only thing that we have going for us right now with that flagship is it's time, is it's time in the market. So anyone who's looking to cross over, think about that right there is that you're, you're going up against people who've been doing this for 30 plus years. Um, what are you bringing to the table? What are you doing that's different? And also remember that everybody, everybody out there who's already thought of it has jammed peanut butter, fucking Skittles, fucking Smarties into their beer. Don't do that because it's, it's, it's done. You have to come here with a, with a knowledge and a base of skill, and you have to come here with a passion to want to make beer better. Otherwise, I don't care if you're uh, Avenue one, where you're going to go through in the grind or your Avenue two, where you've got the money behind you, you will fail. You will fail. I can't say, I don't, I'm not wishing that upon anybody, but you have to, but that's, that's a warning just, to everybody. It's going to happen. You know, be, be prepared to come into this industry and, and, and mop the fucking floors and work your ass. And we don't, off, and we don't mean know, like because... mop the floors with the competition. We mean literally mop the fucking floor, literally mopping the floors. Failure is a part of success. And I'd say 99% of successful business owners, be it in brewing all the way up to hedge funds, have failed at some point there in their life before they got something, to where they are There's now. a quote I read yesterday. It was actually a picture of Yoda on Dagobah. And he was holding a Warwick bass guitar. And it was fantastic. I don't know what half those words mean. Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Shut up, music nerd. So he's sitting on the rock from the Dagobah scene from Empire. And the quote on the picture says, the difference, You do you want to know the difference between the master and the beginner? It's that the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. I like that quote. I really yep. like that quote. That's actually a really good. One. So it reminds me. You... It reminds me of the quote that we always see, would see in the in the in the dojo uh, for for doing uh, like jujitsu, where it's like it takes ten thousand times 
to make a master. And that's not 10,000 times of wrestling. That's 10,000 times of trying one fucking procedure. Yeah. You know, I was so, thinking about that quote just yesterday. Wait, uh, like, wait, actually, I was thinking about the strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Uh, that would be Cobra Kai. I su- subscribe to more of the bonsai tree philosophy. The, the more of the Miyagi Do. The more of the Miyagi Do. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was thinking about that ten thousand times to make a master thing, and you know I figure if I'm skiing, you know, hundred plus days a season, I'm skiing on average about ten plus runs a day. I've been doing this since I was a year old, man. I've easily skied over 10,000 runs in my life. I must be a fucking master, right? Right. <laughs> Not necessarily, but how many times you know, have you, have you skied the same run? How many times have you hit the exact same line? You know, that's, that's the way I think that's, about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, absolutely. It, I, I, I totally I, I get know that. That's, that's what you mean. Yeah. There, I know that's what you look mean. at, look at all the, <laughs> you know, the, the for, facetedness that's going on here. For our listeners. It's like at this point in time, I've probably made 500 plus brews in my life, right? Professional and amateur 500 plus brews. Um, but I'm not even close to doing 10,000 brews of a single IPA, which is what I believe that philosophy would say makes me an expert at or a master at that IPA. Then you still you have 10,000 brews does not make you a master. 10,000 brews on a Pilsner, that makes you a master of Pilsner, you know, well, not and just of pills of a specific. A, exactly. So it's, like it's, it's so one of those refined, things where. Like- it, 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 it sounds like a broad statement and it's not, it's not, you yeah. have to, you have to really, if you're going to commit to this, you have to commit to it. And, and if you, have to you make that. homebrew and you haven't had to dump beer down the drain, you're doing something wrong. There's no, no, no one, no one is that lucky or that good at what they do. I, that I have or yet you just really love drinking mediocre. Yeah, that is a good point too. <laughs> I, I have yet to dump a homebrew down a drain, but we did accidentally dump a homebrew onto my roommate's laptop once. So Oof. that'll happen. That'll I happen. five whole gallons of IPA onto. The I had a, I had a good streak where I had like I want to say <laughs> eight successful brews, and then I put five down the drain at once. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like we're hitting a point where we're kind of we're kind of coming to a close on all the things we could say. But I just that being said, I want to I want to get out to everybody because this episode is about crossing over. And I, I truly feel as though I have crossed over. Um, the challenge doesn't stop once you're a professional brewer. If you're doing things right, the challenge never stops. I can't tell you the number of times I've called I've called T I've called you and been like, hey this isn't going to work. This isn't going to fucking work, you know, or not even, not um, even that it's not going to work, but you're worried about whether or not it's going to work. I, you're like, I'm, I'm worried about this is, this is going to go down. You know, this, uh, it does not, the conversation, it's not like you cross over and all of a sudden you're, you're a pro and you have no worries left. You know, it is, um, but if you're doing it right, you're still pushing the envelope and you're trying to do the best that you can do. And that doesn't mean doing the same thing. When when I came in to to shadow with you and uh, we, we made that, that back blend, um, which I believe we talked about the actual term for back blending a beer. Uh, It might actually be that, that Burton on Trent specific. It was a, it was a, it was essentially what we made is what's, what's known as a beer to coupage, coupage. a, a young beer blended with an old beer essentially is the formal formal uh definition but of it. like even when we were making the new beer that day like you knew what was downstairs in barrels or in in the or that had been pulled from the barrels back in the bright tank um 
you were like, I have no idea. I've never done this before. I have no idea how this is going to turn out. And then you watched it. And, yeah. and I was, I was, I was rolling the dice on everything. I believed in my heart that the beer downstairs needed something. And I believed what it needed was fresh beer. And we tried it and you were there to brew that fresh beer, which was a, which was a wonderful experience, both on a friendship level and on a brewing level. I mean, it, it was great um, for me. Fuck me. I, I would never tell anybody that I fucking had a plan there. That was, that was rolling the But dice. up until the day that that, that beer hit the tap the dice. and actually like poured into a glass, you were like, I don't like, yeah, sure. You, you pulled some samples and you're like, okay, this is better. But how was, how are people going to respond to this? Like so many things I've tried uh, in my short career as a professional brewer, um, I I have always been a little um, anxious every time I have to put that glass in front of my bosses and say, I really believe in this product. Because to be fair, it's been a living product up until that point that I put it right in front 100%. of them. 100%. And so it might've changed. It might've, it might've gone, it might've gone rogue. Who knows, you know? And um, I think I did all my math, right. You know, I think I did all my artistic uh, uh, plays, right. But it, it, people need to understand that unless you're uh, like, it's no longer okay to open a brewery and just say, I'm going to have a blonde ale, a pale ale, an IPA, a porter and a stout. Sorry. You'll go out of business in 12 to 16 to 18 months. It's not, it's not going to happen. You have to push the envelope, but pushing the envelope means putting yourself out there and being sometimes truly afraid. And vulnerable dude. Like, Oh shit. This yeah. might not have, this might not pull around. And, and vulnerable. You know, in the I sense of just, like I might've just wasted a thousand dollars of the brewery's money. You know, and um, or fuck a thousand dollars of your own money if you started the brewery. If, if you're if you're opening your own company, shit, you know. And 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 I I can also tell you guys, you know, to the listeners, Josh just brought up a very key thing. It is more detrimental to sell shitty beer than it is to dump product down the drain. It is. I I, I will repeat that. Selling shitty beer will cost your brand more in the long run than dumping shit down the drain if i it's go to a brewery and i hate the beer waste, that i had i'm not, you're going not back. coming back and more so you're going to tell your friends i'm not coming back yeah so i word of mouth is when huge. when uh, i was going to do the, feel... the the beer event that thank god the pandemic caused me to cancel that event <laughs> okay and i had gone forward like with the beers that i was planning to with the alkalinity problem that i was having all of my credibility and everything that I had done up to that point is out the fucking window if I had gone through with those beers. But luckily, you and uh, Warren, who is now at... Um, Miss you, Warren. Uh, what's, what's the name of the brewery he's at up in Canada now? It's, it's, up, it's up in Banff. I can't quite remember the name. I don't remember it off. Uh, he's no no option or optionless. I, I, something, something along those lines. Uh, came over and you guys figured out that it was an alkalinity issue. Yeah. If I had gone through with that event, you know, like any credibility toward my homebrew would have been out the fucking window and everything that I had been. Every time you put your product out there, you do two oh. things. You make a promise for quality and you make a promise for, uh, um, for reliability. Right. And, and, and the minute you break that, and Josh, you've been in the service industry for a long enough time to know the minute you break your oath as a good service person, people will forever doubt the service you give them. 
Yeah, you can do it right a thousand times, but you do it wrong once, and one that time, so and much they more always remember that time. Well, and I can't help no but so even 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 if that event went through and like the beer was crap and everyone's just like, "What is this? We don't want it." Even if I had gone through that summer, figured out my issue, and done what I did and started making new beer again, people would have been like, nah, "I don't know how I feel about this." You know, well, I can't help but think about you know the Great Northern Brewing Company. Um, R.I.P. out in Montana. Um, You know, I remember like because I when I started coming out there on little trips and stuff here and there, I loved the Great Northern Brewing Company. And then so when I moved to Montana, it was one of my favorite spots to go and hang out. And then, you know, as things went on and I was talking to more and more locals, the people who had lived there for, you know, 10 plus years or for a long time so many people out there didn't like the great Northern Brewing Company because they remembered a period in time where they didn't make great beers. Right. And then they just never went back and gave them another chance. They went to Bonsai. They went down to, you know, places in Kalispell or out to Backslope instead. And they never gave great Northern a second chance. It, I was so one then, of those people. Yeah. And so then when I came in and I just, I was new to it and I was like, these guys make great beer. I remember, the night Thomas that you came and met me there and you're like, Oh, this is actually like decent beer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had had it before you hadn't had a good beer. Well, I had worked at the restaurant next door, um, at the craggy and they had a couple of great Northern beers on tap. And there was a couple of great Northern beers on tap over at the Northern. I know that sounds really yeah. convoluted, but yes, they are two very different places. They're, they're, the great Northern brewing company and the Northern bar are across the street from each other with the exact same logo. Compl- it's a completely small unrelated to one another. <laughs> Um, but like, yeah, a couple of times I was just like, I like, like the first time I had going to sun, I was just like, Oh, I do not like this. But also when I first moved here almost 10 years ago, I was not nearly as, uh, versed in craft beer as I am now. And I'm not even that well versed, but I'm way more versed than I was when I first moved here for sure. Um, so I think over time, because my palate changed also that I realized that like, yeah, I, I drank a lot of Yingling Coors Light back in Jersey cause I didn't know any better. But now that I live here and I'm like just literally neck deep in craft brew and having gone to Portland with you and working with you, CJ and making my own shit, you know, going back to drink this stuff, you know, years later with nothing but a memory of what it used to taste like, completely changed my whole uh idea about yeah. that that brewery and because i was like th- oh that's okay. not entirely i mean yeah some of their beers yeah. i'm still not a big fan of but there was there was definitely still a few that i wasn't a huge on and it's it's not what shut them down in the end in the end that's a whole nother story um but you know it, it didn't necessarily help and to me coming from out of town i loved the vibe there they had a handful of beers that i certainly loved drinking um, and now you can go find some of their bartenders at sacred waters what's up topher uh, yeah right uh, I, um, I, I miss that brewery it's like you josh it, i miss that you know, brewery it, it, was, it was uh it was a great it was brewery for what it was to that area and it was kind of sad to see like so many people who had lived there for so long who just wrote it off because you know a couple bad beers 15 years ago i mean honestly but that is but that is the struggle that is the struggle that we all but that is what it is and not saying that it's anything you know different at backslope it started the same way there you know like the the beer wasn't as good as it is now it wasn't bad by any means 
you know, but it's definitely not as good as it was now. What you heard about Backslope in the beginning was the food. And everybody kept going back for the food, the food, the food. The beer got better. CJ took over. Now they've got, I would say, probably some of the best beer in the Valley, you know. I, pre- I appreciate that. I will, I will obviously, because I represent them, step in and say that, that um, even my owner and head brewer, Darren, would say that the beer has gotten better. Um, the beer we we've worked a lot on it, you know, and it's yeah. it's it, it's also been it's also been the same uphill climb of trying to explain to people what we're trying to do with our beer, you know, the the direction we're trying to go. But it all falls into all um, the things that we've talked about all night, like moving from a homebrew system to a seven barrel size system. It's not an easy feat. You're not you're and, and trying no, to do the relevant not. things like making an IPA, but still trying to push the envelope and actually make new good beer instead of just making the same fucking ipa a hundred times right right you know and 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 you need you know again that's 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 when we talk about people crossing over that's the idea of relevancy where you might make one good thing but can you make it a hundred times and can you also make new good things as well because you know we have not even so much can you make it a hundred times can you make it close to the same and consistent a hundred that those hundred times And, yeah. and we have a lot of people, you know, look, we've had, we've had fans of backslope since they, since, since it's been opened, have come in and said, they don't like my beers. And I understand that too. Um, we've had people. Who've I don't understand said, that. I think they're wrong. <laughs> well, that. well, fuck those um, people and their opinions. I, I, I hope I, you guys I, don't I'm pay working, to listen I'm to this podcast. Humility because I obviously, I do represent a brewery in the Flathead Valley and I'm very proud of that brewery and proud of my, um, As you should be. proud of my team. Um, and that team who's let me express, you know, my creativity through these beers, but, um, we are getting a lot of good feedback and positive feedback. And that being said, I think that everybody has a role to play. And I think that, uh, one of the best things that, um, backslope gave me was creative freedom. They, they took a step back and they said, if you want to make this, make it and stand by it. I mean, and I didn't, I, 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 I guess overall, I didn't fail. I definitely had some beers that we, we, I won't mention the beers names, but we had some close calls, but I definitely was able to push boundaries um, and try things. But I was uh, to the, to the listeners who want to hear. That's when you convince your boss to get you a fooder. I was very lucky. I mean, I think I for any I artist, I still haven't gotten my food right now. I still, <laughs> but yeah, like the, just those qu- I, I, those mar- those marginally questionable beers. You're just like, ah, man. See, this is why we need I, a fooder. I've gotten a lot of barrels. I've gotten a lot of barrels, but I have not gotten my my fooder yet. But 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 I what I have gotten is a lot is of is it on back order with the cool ship? Yeah, it's on back order. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I think um, you know one of the most amazing things that any artist could ever receive be you an artist in creating new beers an artist in music an artist in uh you know painting or filming or any of that um or a culinary artist or whatever you know the fact that they were willing to take that shot on you that's something that it's super rare and an extreme blessing like john took a shot on me and teaching me how to bartend at j-dub when i was 21 years old and i'm forever thankful i mean so um and backslope took you know, their shot on, the, uh, well, my, my well, buddy, my buddy else. Ron took a <laughs> shot on me when, uh, yeah. when I moved to town for, uh, for sound engineering. And this dude has done stuff for exactly. like Tom Petty, the Backstreet Boys fucking, uh, I'm pretty sure he was on tour with, um, Stevie Nicks and, uh, because I don't care about this band, I always forget their name, Fleetwood Mac. Um, 
You know, like he's done some really the cranberry, the ocean spray cranberry juice. You man. care about the <laughs> Eagles, you don't care about Fleetwood Mac. I mean, that's got to be another episode. No, we're not doing. We no, 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 right no, no, no. You, you need to come onto the nerd podcast that I do, and we'll talk okay. music about that stuff. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, okay. But like, point, we need to have a crossover. He took, he took a chance. We we should have a crossover really. episode between Nerd Universe and, and Final <laughs> Gravity. Drink beer and talk. Yeah. Final grab and final grab and nerd nerd final universe. final nerd um, final, final universe, gravity nerd gravity nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but he but he took a chance um, on me be, coming from New Jersey and just being like fresh yeah. out of audio school and now like whenever he doesn't want to work he's like hey man you want to work this weekend absolutely dude you yeah. know like he and, knows and, I know my if, shit if it's in if it's in any way and a closing to this this conversation, uh, I would reach out to anyone who's listening, and 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 reiterate what we just what we just discussed. Take your fucking chance when it's in, when it's in front. Of I you. sent my fucking application fucking to Kevin Davies at Wayfinder, knowing full well I was never going to get a call or an email you, back. It, it, but I still who did don't it. Push, do not receive anything. If you don't but, take the shot, you won't get it. But, but understand if you take the shot, this the is the worst that happens is they say no. Yeah, but this job is is not as glamorous as we on this podcast or myself make it sound. It is work. It is putting in the hours, and it is um, just like just like cooking or bartending. You're, you're going to spend a lot more time learning somebody else's techniques before you get the chance to, to create your own to put yourself. your own foot down. And and you will get that chance, but you do have to plug and play. You do have to learn what everybody else has done before you because uh, this isn't you're not building a new wheel. Just just for every homebrewer out there, you're not building a new wheel. And I say that with love to creativity, but I also well, say that because of... I want to stop a wave I'm seeing of people who think that they're just coming in with the newest hippest idea. That's yeah. not how it works. This has been going on for two thousand years minimum. Right. Craft brewing. Anyway, I mean, obviously, again, Samaria has been brewing since fucking 5000. You know, that's amazing. You're not going to change the course of brewing history. You might find a place in it. And I want you to find a place in it if you're out there and you want to, um, especially, by the way, uh, well, if you're female you know, or a person maybe... of color, we need more of you in the brewing industry. It's the end of Black History Month. If you're a person of color and you want to brew, fucking get out there and do it. But you no one is reinventing the fucking wheel well maybe one no in one. a million of you like right maybe there's that one person out of hundreds of thousands of people out there that will actually change the course of brewing history but it's okay to not be that one person no one's too, expecting you to be you nirvana man yeah no one's expect i mean you never know you might Alice stumble across chains, the but... coolest newest thing <laughs> but you know if if you're not the beatles that's okay yeah no one's expecting right. you to be the beatles but it, you know what I would have said the birds, but God it's okay. Damn it's okay. it! Hey, the Beatles. The Beatles. You mean wings? Changed. Whether or not you love their music, they changed music. Forever. Wings can suck a dick. You know. <laughs> you don't. Uh, oh my God! We, we are not going to have that conversation on here. I hope that's never cut out of this podcast. No. Wings, it can suck. A okay. Dick. Well, um, in in light of that, uh, I'm going to surmise this episode. If you want to I think this try, evolved into the end of the episode. Yeah, yeah. I hope you guys. Here. I hope you guys have. I'm gonna. I'm gonna wrap this shit up. Both our musical preferences. All right. Pop Let's listen to Thomas. Everybody, shut up. Dave, I'm gonna up. wrap this up. If you want to get into the brewing right. world, we're saying fucking go for it. But be ready to fucking work. CJ, thank you. Josh, thank you. Like the input tonight has been 
fucking amazing. You guys are awesome. If you want to help continue to help us keep the content flowing, please go support us at patreon.com slash final gravity podcast or final gravity pod. I forget which it is. There's a link somewhere. T needs a salary. I need to start making money. These guys are fine. I need to start making money. Uh, You can, all your money will go to to, to Thomas's political action committee. It's really just to help him buy beer. So he can keep doing the podcast. It's like herding cats with these two. I swear to God. Anyway. So find us on the social medias at final.gravity.podcast. All of my personals are at, cousin underscore t josh where where which which site are you gonna plug this week uh let's go which one is he not gonna plug this week dude let's just do it really fast you can find me (laughs) at tiktok at josh underscore reports as well as on instagram and facebook you also have the uh the viking peaches on youtube and instagram and then you have josh saran photography on facebook you have josh saran on facebook and then you also have project enjoy every day on instagram and facebook he's got so many things to follow him on (laughs) cj doesn't even need to have social media he forgot his surgeon general's warning but no you can't you can't fucking find but in but in closing again drink his beer (laughs) if you want to brew fucking do it don't put crap in your beers. Learn how to make beer the right way. Work, learn to work hard. Put your fucking head down. Read some books. Do the work. Be willing to fail. Learn to fail. Failure. Be willing and to fail. And one more time, I'm going to quote Yoda, even podcast. though the first quote wasn't Yoda, but I'm going to finish this with a, a Yoda quote, and that is, failure, the greatest teacher is. And we're out of here. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. We're going to be releasing a beer mini next week while we are off for our week. And then we will be back to catch you for the end block of season two. Later, y'all. Yeah. Cheers, guys.